Hello, my friends. Welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul. It's the 16th day of February, and we are journeying through the Gospel of Mark. Yesterday, we dealt with the scribes accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, and while that had some sort of street sarcasm behind it, it is also dipping into the scriptures a little bit because they are scribes and they do know the Hebrew scriptures and they are choosing one of the Canaanite gods, Baal, and they are assigning his strength to Jesus. Well, this is highly offensive to Jesus as it should be. And so how does Jesus respond? Let's read. I'm going to read all the way through his response from verses 23 to verse 30, but we're not going to be able to adequately cover all of that today because there's some very important things to talk about. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said he has an unclean spirit. Okay, as you can tell, there's a lot to cover, so let's work our way uh, over the next few days through this. Probably the first, well, I think the fasting Friends of the Bridegroom passage from chapter 2 is pretty big, but this is probably the the first real moment of theological controversy, depth and controversy that, that Mark allows Jesus to get into. Uh, and I'm not trying to insinuate it was the first, but it's the first that Mark really digs into. And it's probably been one of the most questioned passages in regards to what it really means uh, that, that is in any of the Gospels. Uh, I would even say, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, I want to acknowledge this, that I would say it's probably one that's been the source of the most fear and consternation among believers because of that whole blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that over the next few days. Jesus calls them to himself and says to them in parables. That's an interesting statement because um, parables are stories that convey a meaning. I don't really like the phrase, I used to say this a lot, I used to say they're earthly stories with heavenly meaning, but I don't think that's necessarily what's happening because the term parable actually has a broad definition. Um, Jesus' usage of parables are pretty distinctive. He teaches these brief comparisons, and he does it through narrative. And they usually have one central point, one central idea. Most of them are pretty clear, but they got a lot of meaning that only when you come into a right relationship with Jesus can you fully comprehend it. In fact, that's the way Jesus lays parables out. At one point, he tells his disciples, I say these things to the crowds in parables because it's not given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it is given to you to know. At another point, he says to his disciples, there's a lot more I'd like to say, but I can't. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to reveal these things to you, which tells me 
that Jesus looks at the parable as a way of conveying truth to a people who have no ability to comprehend the kingdom. And then with the Holy Spirit, the truths of these parables will become real, which is why we are, it's our luxury, it's our blessing, it's our privilege to unpack the parables of Jesus across time using the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think this is why you can, I'm going to pick the prodigal son and I pick it. It's not one that we'll cover because it's not in Mark, it's in Luke. But I pick it because it's probably the most famous. There's not a preacher in the world who hasn't preached it. There's not a preacher in the world who hasn't preached it 20 times. Of those 20 times, we've preached it 10 different ways. And you go, well, how is that possible to preach that story? It's not that long of a story about the dad and his two kids that take their inheritance and one slops hogs and one stays in the field and they end up with a party and one kid won't come to the party. I just gave you the, pretty much the whole plot. How do we get so much out of that? Well, it's not because Jesus was being tricky or deep. It's because Jesus was couching these heavenly principles inside of a story and we bring our lives to the story. So we don't just encounter parables, we get into them. And it's in that, with coupled with the, you have the anointing, okay? Don't ever let anyone tell you you don't have the anointing. John says that you have an unction, that's an anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's that anointing that's in you that brings these things to the surface. It's why a parable means something to you in one season of your life, and then in a later season of your life, it means something else. I'll have people that will say to me, oh, I heard you say this about this parable 12 years ago, 15 years ago, in a sermon I was watching. Um, Boy, that really blessed me. And I'll think, man, I don't really see that parable that way anymore. I'm not saying it was wrong. I just, it was the season I was in when I said it, or something that had surfaced in me in studying when I said it, I think that's great. In fact, I I love to go back and look at my own notes and say, what did I think of this parable in this year or that season of my life? I was maybe we were doing this in our church, maybe I was doing this on the road, maybe we were studying this on our podcast. How did I see that? And so when Jesus speaks in parables, a big portion of it is is so that when you come into right relationship, you'll see the meaning that matters for you. It's, and, and really, it's only in private that Jesus gave interpretations of parables. And so his disciples knew this. They'd call him off to the side and go, what did that mean? And he would say what that meant. Um, so it's part of the teachings of Jesus. It's part of what he... He, he presents the saving work of his father. He presents the ethics of the family of God. And he presents over and over again the kingdom of God. And then this particular passage, he really is talking about the basics of the kingdom because he talks about a kingdom divided against itself and that kingdom cannot stand. Um, this actual parable, it doesn't seem like a parable. When, you, when, he, when it says he, he speaks to them in parables, he gives a kingdom, the house, and then Satan. But it's really a claim that the kingdom has come. And I think a good place for us to start tomorrow is the fact that the kingdom has come. And then we're going to get into Jesus's illustration of the kingdom, the house, and Satan. And uh, what that meant 
to them and what it means to us. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.